much. Welcome to everyone watching online around the world. We're so glad you joined us this weekend. And if you found us maybe on social media for the first time, again, we're so glad you found us and joined us. We pray that God's going to speak to you through the stream, through the internet, and wherever you're watching. So I want to thank Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara for another awesome opportunity to teach here. And Pastor Greg recently had surgery, just so you know, and he's recovering super well. He's recovering quickly, and we believe that he's going to be with us again very soon. And so can you give them your appreciation and show them we love you, we are praying for you, and believe in a quick recovery. And I'll tell you what, let's pray for them right now, and let's pray for our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our, our pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara. God, we ask that your presence be in their home now and that as Pastor Greg recovers quickly, we thank you for the work you've already done and how he is uh, already getting relief from pain. And God, we just ask you continue to bring relief, lessen pain. God, and we pray for that quick recovery. And God, we pray for this weekend service. For all the people watching around the world, God, we ask that your message, your word, come forth. God, use me, speak through me as you will. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series called Summer Stories, and our South Shore campus pastor, Pastor Hector, did an awesome message last weekend. Can you give him a hand? And we're also excited because he just got married this weekend. Congratulations, Pastor Hector. We're so glad for you. And so one of the themes in the series of Summer Stories is we're kind of telling some personal stories from our own lives and connecting it to what's going on and some stories we see in the Bible. And so I was trying to think of a story from my own life that might be a good analogy for this year. You know, this year at the beginning, no one knew where we would be at today. And sometimes life comes at you fast, right? So I'm going to tell a story from my college days. I grew up in New York. I grew up in upstate New York. And up in New York, we have, like, normal weather. You know, if the forecast is it's going to rain on Wednesday, it's just going to rain all day, and then that's it. And coming down to Florida, you realize that the forecast could be sunny at 2 p.m., hurricane at 3 p.m., and then sunny again at 4 we didn't realize that. And so my freshman year, I had a, a college roommate. His name was John Shrek. Yes, like the movie. And that was John. John, I apologize for showing this picture. But that was my roommate, and he had a Jeep. He had a Jeep Wrangler. And we thought we were cool. And so as freshmen, we would drive around with the top off. You know, you take the top off the Jeep and you drive around. We thought we were pretty cool. And so we left campus one day with the top off because it was blue skies and sunny. What could possibly go wrong? And so we were driving around downtown Lakeland, and we got stuck at a stoplight, and it seemed like out of nowhere, torrential rain. Torrential rain, top off, at a stoplight, we got soaked. Just sitting there, nothing you can do, and we had to find an overhang and put the soft top on. But sometimes life comes at you fast, and you didn't know it was coming. And I'll tell you one more story from my, my college days. This was a spring break. Me and my friends went down to Key West, and my friend's dad, he had a boat. It was a 13-foot Boston whaler. That's the extent of my boating vocabulary. That's all you get, sorry. But uh, it was, this is a, I actually found a picture of it. It was a small boat, and so we took it out probably farther than we needed to, and it was a little choppy that day. And so we were fishing, and the anchor went off the front of the boat, and there was a wave just big enough that when it hit the front of the boat, the front went down, the wave came up, and the entire boat filled with water immediately. And my friend says, abandon ship, and, you know, I've never, I'm a city slicker. I don't know anything about this stuff. So we jump in the water, and we're treading water, and somehow, by the grace of God, the boat comes floating back. I had a, a Pastor Rick actually here on staff tell me, I guess a Boston whaler is the one kind of boat that can do this. It'll just float no matter what. And so it came back up, and, and we were fine. But life comes at you fast sometimes, and sometimes things happen that you just had no idea that it was coming. And I think this year, 2020, is one of those years. There are years in all of our lives 
where something happens and we remember it forever. For some, for a generation, it was 1941, the attack at Pearl Harbor. In 1968, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. 1972, the Watergate scandal. 1986, the Challenger shuttle explodes on launch. How many of you remember Y2K? I remember being a teenager during that time, and that was a crazy season. I won't forget that. Probably the most impacting day for me was September 11th, 2001. I can still remember the day and the hour that I heard and exactly where I was when I heard that news. And for an entire generation, this year is one of those years. This year is marked by many things. At least, I mean, a global pandemic. And that's going to be something that a generation and anyone who experiences is going to remember for the rest of their lives. So what do we do, though? When we're out of this year and we're past all this, we can look back and maybe we remember what happened. But what do we do right now? Because we're in the middle of it. What do you do when you're in the middle of one of these years that make the history books? How do we live not in fear, but in peace? Not in anxiety, but in grace? What do we do? There's only one answer. We have to focus on God. We must focus on Jesus Christ, for he is the hope of the world. I want to turn to a story from the prophet Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, in chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah is telling his commissioning story. Every prophet in the Old Testament, they kind of had this origin story of how they became a prophet, kind of like one of those Marvel movies where you hear in, uh, this behind-the-scenes story of how Iron Man came to be or Spider-Man. And so chapter 6 in Isaiah is Isaiah's commissioning story, his origin story, and how he became a prophet. And there's this little line right at the beginning of the chapter. He starts like this in Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. And I want to stop right there. Oftentimes we see a verse like this and we just kind of pass by it and we get on with the chapter. But this little statement is actually saying this was one of those years. This was one of those years like 2020, like September 11th, 2001. What is Isaiah saying? King Uzziah was an incredible king for Israel. He fought many battles and won. He made the country prosperous, and King Uzziah served God. But late in his reign, King Uzziah became arrogant, and he wanted to give a sacrifice to God, which was only reserved for the high priests. And so King Uzziah brought a sacrifice into the temple, and through his pride and arrogance, God struck him with leprosy, and tragically and suddenly, he died. And so it was in this year that King Uzziah this incredible king for the country of Israel who had given hope and prosperity for so many years died suddenly because of an act of arrogance. And this is when Isaiah is called as a prophet. And so when we see in the year that King Uzziah died, we can know it was a year kind of like this one. But watch what happens. It goes on. Isaiah 6, chapter, one, chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. And one angel called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. And the temple was filled with smoke. How interesting it is that in a year like this, in the year that King Uzziah died, is when Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on his throne, ruling the world. And I want to encourage you right now. God is still on the throne. 
And no matter what you see in the news or on social media, God is still in control. Nothing has taken him by surprise. He is not shaken. He is not fearful. He's still on his throne. And the train of his robe fills the temple. And we call him holy, holy, holy. So what if the Lord is trying to show you something right now, even during this season? He's trying to speak to you. What if Jesus is trying to get your attention, but you're too focused on King Uzziah dying? You're too focused on the news headlines or on social media or what's happening around you that you might just miss it. If you're taking notes for today, the title would be, Where is Your Focus? Where is your focus, especially during this season? Where is your focus? That means what are you giving your time and attention? Where are you spending your efforts? Where are your eyes going during the day? What are your ears listening to throughout the day? Three quick points on focus. Number one, we must remember that our focus is finite. Our focus is finite. We as human beings only have a limited ability to focus on a thing. And so I want to illustrate that with a little exercise. We're going to do a test. Don't worry, you're not going to be graded. And so this test is actually a psychological experiment. It was done by Dr. Daniel Simmons and Dr. Christopher Chabris. And so I'm going to show you a quick video, but I need to set it up. So you're going to watch a quick video, and what I would need you to do is focus on the players wearing white T-shirts and count how many times they pass the ball. So you're looking at the players wearing white T-shirts. They're passing a basketball around, and I want you to count how many times they pass the ball. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Okay, how many got 15 passes? Okay, awesome. Now, how many saw the gorilla? Raise your hand if you saw it in the room. Yeah, and so others are wondering, what? So this experiment is to show you that when you are highly focused on something, there could be something very obvious that you miss. All right? And now if you miss the gorilla, I'm going to give you one more chance. There's no sound on the video, so there was nothing wrong. But I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to play the video again. Now, don't worry about passes. Just watch for the gorilla if you miss it the first time. Here we go. I heard somebody here in the room say, man, he was right in the middle. Yes, he was. <laughs> he even beat his chest and everything. So what does this experiment tell us? That when we are focused on something, it is very easy to miss something else. We actually can't see it. It is actually physiologically and neurologically expensive to focus. When your eyes focus on something like a hand in front of your face, everything else is blurry. This is why your peripheral vision is not clear. It is very blurry. It actually takes 10,000 fovea cells in the retina of your eye just to reach stage one of focus, which is still a little blurry, and another 10,000 cells to really get something in clarity. 
So it is very expensive for your mind and body to actually visually focus on something. And so you are constantly triaging what's important as you're looking around. Just think about how many times your eyes are maybe on a screen during the day and how much is blurry behind it. It is expensive to focus. And what happens when we start focusing on the wrong thing, especially in a season like this? You may find yourself worrying, fretting, and everything seems like an insurmountable situation. And so I'm going to take a moment. I want to give you a real practical productivity tip. I love productivity and all those kind of apps about tasks and stuff. I know I'm a nerd. Sorry. But one of the things, this is a strategy actually used by uh, Getting Things Done is the name of the book by David Allen. And he recommends doing something called a brain dump. And what he says is, you know, you have things that you are trying to remember, things you're trying to remember to do. Maybe you're trying to remember that gift for so-and-so whose birthday is coming up. And so here's what I recommend you do, especially during this season. You get a piece of paper and pen. If you trust that medium, if you trust your phone to remember everything, do it in your phone. And begin just writing down everything that you're trying to keep track of in your life. Write down your task list. If you have things that you've been thinking about doing around the house, write those down. If you're trying to remember that gift for Aunt Susie or whatever for Christmas, write it down. And once you write down all that stuff, you'll find yourself beginning to let it go. And now you suddenly have more capacity to focus and think about the things that are important. So that's a totally pragmatic tip. Just try that. Try writing things down. But let's get back to the importance of what we focus on. Let's tell a story now from Scripture, from the Bible. We're going to go to the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting with verse 13. This is a story about the prophet Elisha. And he is being chased by the king of Aram. The king of Aram is trying to get after him. He's trying to kill him. And this is the story of that account. Here's what happens to Elisha and his servant. Starting with verse 13 of 2 Kings 6, it says this. So the king of Aram said, go and see where he is, Elisha, so I can send men to capture him. And when he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, my master, what are we to do? And watch what Elisha says. He says, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. And just stop right there for a second. If you're Elisha's servant and you're standing next to Elisha, and he says, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. There's nobody around. He's going to think Elisha's crazy. All he sees are the armies of the king of Aram surrounding them and no one else. But watch what Elisha prays. Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The armies of the Lord... The warring angels and chariots and horses were already there. And what's amazing is they had been there. That's why Elisha wasn't worried. But the servant had to open his eyes to see it. And so if you find yourself now focusing on those things that are instilling fear in you, and you find yourself worrying day after day, ask God to open your eyes. Because he has an army at your left and an army at your right ready to defend you. Focus on that. Focus on God. And don't spend your finite focus on the things that cause fear. So number one, your focus is finite. Number two, 
we need to limit distractions. We live in a culture and society today that is full of distractions. Pastor Greg has often mentioned a book called Distracted to Death, and that's us today. There's just so many things to distract us. And so here's one more story from my childhood. I was a Royal Ranger. A Royal Ranger was kind of like the Boy Scouts of the Assemblies of God Church. And so here's a picture of me in my uniform, New York Outpost 60. You know, you do the chopping wood, you learn to tie and lash. I can still do a lot of that. And one of the things we learned in Royal Rangers was how to use a compass and orient a map. And so I have my friend Andy here who's going to help me out with this. And so we have a compass. And again, the point of a compass is to point north. And so we're going to orient this compass, and you see the red arrow pointing north. This is what a compass is useful for. It points north. And so now, without anything around, I'm listening to God. I know which direction to go. I know which is north. But here's what happens when we start introducing distractions into our life. We get off course. The more and more distractions that we let in, the more and more we let our eyes see other things, we don't know which direction to go. More and more often, the more we focus on the news headlines and the social media and we get scared, more and more distractions. Some of us feel like this right now. Don't know where to go. So what we need to do is remove the distractions. These are some strong magnets, amen? Remove. Remove the distractions. Return to the right direction. Thank you, Andy. This is what happens. This is what happens when we introduce more and more distractions in our life. We lose course. We can't hear the voice of God. We're pointing every other direction but him. I'm going to give you another practical step, another pragmatic approach to this in real life. If you find yourself or your phone constantly binging notifications, I encourage you to check that as in turn them off. So often I see so many people with different news apps and different things constantly sending notifications all the time, a news headline this or this happened there. I even so much as saw this headline the other day, a squirrel got bubonic plague in Colorado. You see this? What? Now, some of you just started worrying about this right now. You're right now worried about bubonic plague. If you read the article, this is not some freak occurrence. Apparently, this happens every year. There's like one to ten cases. Not a big deal. But when you allow those things just to constantly be in your life, you know, we have this kind of Pavlovian response when we hear our phones ding and we hear it vibrate. We feel like we need to check it. We feel like we have some responsibility to be in the know that somehow if we miss that one important headline that we'll be in trouble somehow. That is not the case. It is actually the enemy is trying to distract you trying to do anything to take your focus off God and from hearing his voice. And so I encourage you, if you find yourself doing that too much, you know, there's even a feature on your phone. On iPhone, it's called Screen Time. On Android, it's called Digital Wellbeing. You can actually see how much time you spend looking at certain apps and how many notifications those apps send you. I would encourage you to check that and try to limit it. The less distracted you are, the more you can hear God. And so let's look at an example from Scripture about someone who is too distracted. Well, before we do, let me remind you of this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Remember, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's where we put our anxiety. And so now I want to tell you the story of Samson. You remember Samson from the Bible? If you didn't know, he was blessed with super strength almost. God gave him incredible strength because he committed himself to serve God. 
he took what was called a Nazarite vow. And in this vow, he was not supposed to cut his hair and not eat certain foods. And for that, God blessed him with incredible strength, and he served the Lord. But then he got distracted. He wanted to find a wife, and he went to the wrong side of town to find a wife. And so he went, and he found this woman named Delilah. She didn't love him. She really just wanted to betray him for money, as we're going to see in this story. And I want you to watch what happens when you lose your focus and allow too many distractions. Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 16. This is the story of Samson. And Delilah, she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out. And I want to stop right there for a second. If you find yourself fatigued during the season, maybe you're more tired than you used to be. There's a lot of reasons for it, but one of it is if you find yourself fatigued, again, consider how much news you might be consuming, how many headlines you might be reading. The more distracted we make ourselves with that, the tired we, more tired we become, the more fatigued we become. That's what happened here with Samson. She wore him out. And Samson, he told her the whole truth and said to her, my hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I will become weak and be like any other man. So when Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the money with them. And she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids on his head. In this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. And then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. And when he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But watch this. He did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson was so distracted, his focus was so off, he didn't even know the Lord had left him. During the season, let me encourage you, don't be so distracted that you can't hear God, or worse, you don't notice that he left. Your focus is finite. Spend it on the right things. Number two, limit distractions in your life. And finally, number three, Look for Jesus every day, every day. I recently came back from some vacation time in the mountains of North Carolina. It's beautiful up there, and it's easy to social distance because there's nobody up there. And if you need a fast track to hear God, I recommend going to the mountains. It's beautiful. And while we were there, my wife and I read some of the book called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. It's a deep book, but he gives two ways to hear God's voice. You know, so often we ask, how do we hear God's voice? How do we know his direction for us? How do we know what he is saying to us? And so two quick points, and they're going to sound very simple. But number one, read your Bible. And number two, listen for the quiet voice. And, you know, sometimes those aren't the answers we're looking for. We're like, can't I just look for a writing in the sky or a burning bush? Can I ask for that? But the truth is that's not how God communicates to us a majority of the time. He speaks to us through his word, and he speaks to us in a still, small voice. Back in May of this year, I had the honor of teaching about the Bible here in a message, how it came to be and why we should trust it. And the bottom line is this. Scripture, the Holy Bible, is God's clearest instructions for our lives today. Even today. Yes, it was written 2,000 years ago, but it's incredible how applicable it is even today. So I encourage you, find a reading plan. Maybe download the Bible app on your device. Delete a news app, replace it with the Bible app. That will be your tip for today. 
and find a reading plan like the First Steps reading plan that will go through the Bible in a year in a summarized fashion. And I promise you, as you read it daily and ask God to reveal himself to you, you will hear his voice, and you will hear him speak to you. Read the Bible daily. And secondly, yes, we can ask for incredible signs in the sky of God speaking to us, but really we need to listen to that still, small voice. And I want to tell you it is very contrary to culture today. Everything in culture is very loud. Social media, everyone's yelling. Obviously, it's not audibly yelling, but you know it's yelling. Come on. On Facebook, everybody's yelling at each other. And God is taking the opposite. He is the opposite pole of that. He is not in the noise and in the, the sirens and in the headlines. He is a still, small voice we need to listen to. Take the story of the prophet Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 19. God tells Elijah to go up and stand on the mountain. This is chapter 19, verse 11. God said, go out and stand on the mountain. See, I told you there's something about the mountains. Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by, and a great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But watch this. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. That is how God speaks to us. He is always speaking. And if we spend our focus on him and limit distractions, you can hear the still, small voice of God. One final story from Scripture. And this is from Matthew chapter 14 in the New Testament. This is the incredible story about that guy that walked on water, Peter. And this is the story of that account. Matthew 14 and verse 23 after dismissing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. There's that mountain again, I told you. By himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat that the disciples were on were over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And here's where Peter gets a little cocky. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand caught a hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That story of the disciples in the boats feels a lot like this year. There's a lot going on in culture, in the news. There's a lot of waves. There's a lot of things that demand our attention, are asking for our attention, for our focus. But the moment we take our eyes off Jesus, we start to sink. And I'm sure you feel it, especially during this season. Well, Jesus said to Peter, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I think it's so interesting that Jesus said that, but the storm hadn't stopped. Jesus said, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And the waves were just as high. The wind was blowing just as strong. And Jesus still said, you don't have to be afraid. I think that's a message for today. Yeah, we are in the middle of this. 
but you don't have to be afraid. Jesus is there, and he is speaking to you in a still, small voice. All we have to do is spend our focus on him, limit our distractions, and seek his face. And so I want to pray for two groups today. One, whether you've given your life to Jesus or not, you might really be feeling it in this season. The feelings of anxiety and worry and fear. And I'm telling you, God does not call you to do that. Jesus said, don't be afraid. And so I want to pray over those that are feeling that. Again, we all feel it periodically during this time. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know you're in control. It's one of those years that King Uzziah died, but you're still on the throne. And the train of your robe fills the temple. And your glory is over the earth. And so even as the waves are still going and the storm is still brewing, we don't have to be afraid. And so God, help us in the moment. Help us to hear your voice, to feel your presence in our homes and with our families while we're working from home or going to work, whatever it may be. I pray we trust you, we lean on you, and that we can fear less and less and we don't have to be afraid. We will trust you in this season, Jesus. By faith we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for the second group. Maybe you don't know Jesus personally. Jesus Christ was truly a man who walked this earth 2,000 years ago. He claimed to be God and the ability to forgive sins, and then he died on a cross. And to prove his divinity, he rose from the dead. Hundreds of people saw him. It's one of the most incredible accounts in history. So much evidence points to the fact that he really did rise from the dead. And that being true, that means that he is your hope today. Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in the heart that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, you will be saved. And so now we're going to pray a short prayer of salvation. And if you, anywhere you're watching around the world, if you feel like it's time, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to submit to him, to believe and serve him. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. We'll all repeat it here in the room, and everyone that's watching online will all repeat it. We'll here with you. And in doing so, you're submitting your life to Jesus Christ and making a decision to follow him. And so wherever you are, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you would repeat after me, dear Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And I want to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray that today, we are rejoicing with you and the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you. Those of you in the room, can you give them an applause so they can hear your support too? <laughs> Praise God, we believe that there are many of you out there that did that. And so if you prayed that today, we have a number on the screen where you can text the word Jesus to this number on the screen. You can also just click a link if you're watching on Facebook or on our website. There's a link that we'll post that says click here. We want to know that you gave your life to Christ because we want to walk with you. We want to give you resources on what it means to walk with Jesus and to be a Christian. And we want to be here for your community. Again, we had life groups. You heard Pastor Jeremy say we have e-groups that we could do over Zoom. We want you to be a part of this community so we can walk with you as we serve Christ together. Again, we're looking forward to having our lead pastor, Pastor Greg, back very soon. Continue to pray for him as he's recovering. And again, wherever you are, don't be afraid. Focus on God. Thank you.
There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. wonderful. I hope that blessed you. Uh, you know, something uh, interesting happened uh, a couple days ago. The, the governor of Louisiana came out and said, um, he, he called on his people of his state to, to pray and fast for three days. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. That's starting tomorrow. So we're asking you as our Crossing Church to, to, to consider joining us in fast, just one meal on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as we pray and we seek God to heal our land. How, I mean, listen, there's this verse in Second Chronicles, I love it, it says, if, those, if my people who are called by my name, how many of you know that we're called by the name of the Lord? Amen. They will, they will humble themselves. They will seek, their face, seek my face, and they will, they will pray. I will hear from heaven, and then I will heal their land. How many of you guys know that we need the Lord, God Almighty, to heal us in this land? So we're asking you to dive right in with us. That's starting tomorrow, just one meal a day, okay? Replace it with prayer and seeking the Lord and seeking his face. I'm going to go ahead and transition to the part of the worship service where we worship with our tithes and our offerings. If you're here live and you're giving, you can, you can give at one of our black offering boxes. If you're online, you can give at wearecrossing.com or you can text, seven, uh, sorry, text we are crossing to 77977 that way. And uh, I just want to pray for you and pray for the offering and pray for our land to be healed. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word that we received today. Lord, we thank you for this offering. We thank you that you are blessing the Crossing Church and that you'll continue to bless us. We pray that you'll bless the gift and you'll bless the giver. And, Lord, we pray for you to heal our land, not man to heal our land, not Band-Aids to heal our land, God, for the God Almighty to heal this land right now. Lord, I pray that you'll turn our hearts back to you, this nation completely back to you. And Lord, you'll reverse everything from this virus in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that we hold on to the faith that we know that you are the one who can. 
and you are the one that will. And it's in your nature and your character, God, to restore. So, Lord, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, bring us back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. See you all next week.